Hi, Photo Mission podcast audience. I want to bring you a couple of special episodes from our Meet the Maker podcast, which is a sister podcast to the Focus and the Exposure podcast. These podcasts are about creatives. Uh, typically, um, the ones that we've done so far have been with people who make music. So it's around that creative process of songwriting and recording stuff. A lot of parallels there between songwriting and creating something to photography and that's why I find it interesting talking to other creatives. So I just thought it might be interesting to share a couple of these podcasts with the audience within Photo Mission Focus and Exposure. So these podcasts are quite long, they're a bit over an hour and a bit and they contain some music from the artists so they basically give a bit of a rundown on um, the songs and how they come about and how they created them. And I think it's also you know, it's, it's always interesting learning about other creatives and how they work and the challenges that they face and the insecurities and all those types of things. So I think it's well worth listening. So jump on and have a listen and um, see what you think. Welcome to Meet the Maker Australia podcast, where we talk with the makers of music, art, images and books. Come on in and have a listen and learn about what we make. Welcome to this edition of Meet the Maker. In the studio with me today, I have Hazel May, who's a maker of music. Hazel, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Fantastic. Look, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. I've been kind of following you, probably I think I saw you first playing in Queen Street Mall in 2017. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah, for City Sounds, which was a really good incentive by... Uh, Brisbane City Council to get live music out in the street so people could enjoy it and that yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> it is. So where did you grow up? Where did you? I grew up on the base side of Brisbane, so around the Redlands. Yeah, so sunny days and, and breezy afternoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the base side is it's a popular spot in Brisbane and, yeah, there's a lot of good, a lot of good talents come from the base side as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... You went to school there, primary school? Yeah, I went to school there and I was really lucky that my school had quite a involved arts program, so I got really submerged in, in music from a very young age. So so when did you think, when was that, what age was that music kind of, did you start? Like taking over. I mean, I, I started doing, my parents put me in like these cool like music lessons and I started learning piano when I was like five, might, might have started the music lessons maybe a year or two before. And honestly, I've just sort of been a little obsessed ever since. I like started learning piano and then when we all had to pick an instrument for school, I started to learn saxophone because my mum loves jazz and I thought if I learn the saxophone, I can learn her favourite songs. And then eventually I decided I wanted to learn to sing as well and slowly like, you know, the piano lessons stopped to make room for, you know, doing saxophone and then the saxophone stopped because I wanted to sing and learn guitar and, and do all of that as well. So I sort of have a, a small grounding in lots of little things. Early influences. What was the type of music you were listening to? What was in the house? Yeah. What was playing at home? Oh, so much. So my dad loves rock and roll. My mum loves jazz and dad being from Liverpool had the Beatles playing all the time. I think they were my first like music obsession. Yes, yep. Um, mum went through a massive Nora Jones uh, stage where, as you know, every mum in the 2000s did, I feel like she was marketed so well to that audience. And so I, you know, fell in love with jazz and listened to a lot of like Ella Fitzgerald and Nat King Cole and, and all of that as well. 
Um, but all at the same time was still obsessed with like listening to the classic B105 and all of the pop and, and neo soul that was coming out at that time as well. So I definitely had a very broad music taste from a very young age. It's interesting because I, I, I look at a lot of your social media and stuff that you put out and I feel like you could have been born in the 20s and you would just be in your <laughs> element. <laughs> I have felt that for most of my life. <laughs> I used to spend a lot of my younger years just wishing I was in a different era, which now I have definitely made my peace with, especially as a woman. Um, I know that going back in time would have not been the kindest thing to to my uh, my well-being, but I feel very lucky to live in a time where I can draw you know so much influence from so many spaces. Exactly, and I think that's the great thing that we live in now that we can have we can have our cake and eat it. Um, so you can have all that good music, um, plus we can have all the, I suppose, all the things that we're now accustomed to. And I think, you know, Australia, I think we're very lucky that it is a fairly well-balanced, we, we do kind of, you know, all genders are kind of um, are catered for. and we Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely, yeah, a very, it's obviously there's still a long way to go, but the progress that has been made in the last even, you know, 30 years is well, I think huge. It, I think it's been accelerating. I think, like, it's as we're getting – we're seeing it kind of more and more getting traction. I think things like social media have been a big help because it's Definitely. got – it's got people can see that these – you know, what just because someone's different doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. I mean, we're all yeah. different. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think definitely, you know, as humans, we – we don't believe things until we see it. So being exposed to a wide range of different people in, in a million different walks of life is so beneficial. Yeah. I think it is because we can all draw a little bit from each other. Yeah, in absolutely. That, in that respect. So yeah. So when did when did you start making your music, your own music? Yeah. I sort of started in drips and drabs. So when I was like six, five or six, I think I wrote my first song, but it was very simple. I think I literally wrote down the notes, like as in like C, 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 like on a piece of paper for my piano teacher to notate. Yep. And then I started writing. I didn't write for a long time really. And then I started writing again around like when I was 13, 14. And I didn't think much of it. It was more of a a coping mechanism, I guess. <laughs> it was, you know, teenage years were beginning and I started feeling a lot of feelings and yes. it was my way of just communicating those just to myself, really. But I decided to try and take it more seriously when I turned like 15, 16 and I started having to think about what I wanted to do with my life and was very confronted by, yeah, not taking a creative path. I think for a while I was too scared to... to enter the music scene because I was I'm such a big fan of Taylor Swift but I thought you had to be her level of success and honestly public scrutiny to to make a living and once I learned that wasn't the case I yep. think I really threw myself into it from there. Interesting side note with Taylor Swift she's just done something very unique which is very very savvy and very very clever. Yeah <laughs> she has <laughs> yeah re-recording all her albums from and they've and they've just gone boom. They've just exploded. Absolutely, and it's it's so cool as a, as a fan to like relive all of those songs and and hearing how far she's come vocally. Because as a vocalist, you don't really completely as a female vocalist, you don't completely develop your voice until you're around like 
mid twenties to thirty, and and she's thirty one now. So it's, it's amazing hearing you know twenty one year old her comparison to yes. to thirty one. But yeah, definitely very savvy. She is making waves in the music industry for you know the ownership of music and having the artists owning their art. And I think for too long it's just been an expectation that the record label is going to own it, and that's just the way it is. And it's nice to know that, you know, that that could be a thing of the past because unfortunately artists have gotten the smallest piece of the pie for a very long time and it's it's their output. Exactly. And look, and I think there was a there was definitely in music there was definitely a, a period of time when people started becoming um, single song writers because of the fact that they got a bigger piece of the pie. Absolutely. You know, and that was kinda so and it's amazing to think that some of the biggest bands in the world the amount of money they they actually got after everyone else got their cut is is quite small, it's, really. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy, and you see, you know, you could see the figures, and they'll they'll tell you, you know, all the gold albums, the platinum albums, and you see how much money is made by by all this music. But yeah, without without the artists and and the creatives actually receiving it, like, what's the point? It <laughs> like, is. How are they going to survive? It's kind of it's kind of a. It's a, an interesting business model from the fact that, like I said, that the person who actually creates it doesn't normally benefit the most, which is not normal. No. So if, you, no. if you're an artist and you paint a painting, even if it's sold for a kind of a art collector deal or whatever, there's a commission taken, but the majority of the funds goes to the artist. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Same in photography. Like, you mm-hmm. know, as a, as a photographer, you take a photo, you have the ownership of that photo and what happens with that? You know, you can license, do different things. Yeah. But as a creator, you've got all that income that can be generated from that image. And music's mm. kind of been the exception from the rule that – and, look, it's been so easy for people to steal music. And that's mm-hmm. been a huge problem, I think, that people could just basically take music. And the, I think the the thing is – and this is a struggle with – and this has happened to photography because of social media, that people just take a photo now, they copy it and they just use it somewhere, not realising, well – that's not your property. No, no. Intellectual so, property is so unknown within, uh, you know, the larger scale. It's, yeah, definitely had an impact. It, it has. And yeah. I think that we're going to continue to see a change in music marketing, the you know, the positioning of independent artists. I think independent artists are going to become a much bigger footprint in mm. the future. We're not mm. going to see them kind of – because it's always been a struggle as an independent artist because you couldn't compete with the big record companies Absolutely. for budgets and that. But now, like I said, people have got so savvy, mm. thinking outside the box, mm-hmm. um, that type of stuff. So Yeah, so it's exciting. <laughs> it is. So when did you actually – when was the first piece of music that someone could go out and get their hands on? When did that happen? The, the first song I released would have been – must have been 2017, around the time I put the band together and I was playing those city, those first City Sound shows. It had been recorded over a couple of years. I was studying at uh, the Queensland Conservatorium. I did a Bachelor of Popular Music and we had the amazing opportunity to not only learn how to run the studios but have 24-hour access. So okay. I spent a lot of time with my longtime collaborator, Trevor G, and we we basically started recording music together in my second year of uni and this first song I released was the first song we worked on together. And because we were still honing our skills, there were, you know, versions all all in the same vein, but there were, you know, we'd re-record the bass because we'd learn the next year yes. something, and you know, a better way of doing it. And so 
yeah, eventually it came out in 2017 and it's just sort of... And what was that called? It's called Put That Bottle Down. Put That Bottle Down. Yeah. Because yeah. cool. <laughs> I remember hearing, and you didn't release it for, but I think in 2017 you were playing It Isn't Real. Yes. You played that in Queen Street Mall. But yes. It, it, but what you, and then you went on to release that. When did you release that one? That was released in 2019. So yeah. uh, that was actually the second song we started working on together when we were at uni. And that had many iterations. When I first brought it to Trev, it was like, I was, I, when I went into uni, I really loved folk music and that was sort of carried on for a lot of, a lot of that time. And I still do, but it definitely has less of an influence now. Yep. But it was like very like, f- you know, foot tappy, like almost like country folk, very upbeat. And we, it never quite felt right. Like I always enjoyed it, but I, it felt like it had another place to fall. And yeah, so, you know, during the time of putting together the band and playing It Isn't Real Live, we sort of kept shaping it into what it is now and we yeah I saw that transition in the music you could hear it yeah yeah <laughs> it, uh, it's it's so like it's so interesting to look back because we fretted over it for so long but the I don't know the time that it took in the the journey it's actually looking back it was so fun really yeah, <laughs> it's it so is. cool and look sometimes that that is the thing that, that it, these things have to happen like there has to be a has to play out a certain way that you just can't force it. Yes, yeah. And I think the the hardest thing is when you're trying to make something, and you're trying to, and you know it's not working, but you know you've got you've got the basics there, mm-hmm. but you're just trying to find that little magic bit that makes it. That that can be the kind of struggle, but it Absolutely. kind of at the end of when you look back, it's great that you kind of you worked through that process. Definitely. Yeah. So, what, tell us like you've been doing some, and obviously COVID's been pretty difficult on all all creators we know that like it's everyone struggled so before COVID hit so in 2017 you started kind of playing the the city sound stuff and you played around a bit and so what other type of stuff did you do um I I've always played in like a number of different bands so back then I'm trying to think who I was at uni there weren't I played keys first and foremost so I would play keys in a lot of people's bands and Um, there's an artist called Athena Joy, who I still play with this to this day. We're hoping to do some more gigs in the new year. But back in 2017, we, we were playing quite a bit. And an artist that back then went by the name of Livia, um, which is sort of like an indie rock kind of moody vibe, which was really, really fun too. Yep. Um, but the main thing that I think I was doing then was producing my music, but also working with a lot of other people as well that sort of became my obsession during uni was, you know, learning how to produce and like trying to really communicate my ideas and then also completely create them because I I think a lot of things when it comes to me comes back to this, but I have, I've, my whole life had this fear of like having, being taken advantage of essentially, because yep. I've seen in the world around me, it happens all the time. <laughs> yes. And so I wanted to really equip myself to, you know, if I was in a studio with someone who may assume that they can just take it in their own direction that I have the, sorry, hitting the microphone. (laughs) Um, I have the tools to, to still get my message across. Yes. And I think that, and that can happen that people can get railroaded really easily. Yeah. And I think sometimes uh, as an artist, sometimes some artists kind of too afraid to speak up. Yes, absolutely. But I think you have to be strong and you have to really, you know, kind of be assertive and, you know, not, not be a diva. No, of course, of course not. No, no diva energy. No, totally. And I think like 
personally, I'm I'm usually the person that's, you know, just going with the flow and happy with whatever else happens. So I think I have to, I put a, have to make myself put in a lot of effort to be more assertive and to yes. remind myself that, no, this is, this is my project. This is what I need to be doing. And it's a forever battle, I think, because some days I think I'm just as, you know, quiet as when I was 13. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's worth the fight, I guess. And I think one of the strengths and for anyone kind of listening to this and who are kind of, you know, going through that same type of journey you're going through, you know, that you do need to take control mm. and you need to kind of, and this is going to be something in life that you need to kind of be able to manage situations and sometimes there's there's always people who will jump, try and jump over the top of you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just knowing how to deal with those people mm-hmm. is all it is. Like it's just sometimes it's it's quite easy to control it. Yeah. And typically it's better to get on top of it before it escalates too far because then it's harder to pull it back. Absolutely. Yeah. And Notice it very early on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, try and try and be aware of it. So it's as a part of the. I mean. You know, as an artist, you wear so many different hats. Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> you <know>? do, <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> so you're trying to be, you're trying to be creative director. You're trying to be marketing director. You're trying to be management. You know, all these different yeah. things. Accountant. Tr- like. Accountant. <laughs> they're trying to pull everything together. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, it's hard to kind of be good at all those things. Yeah. And, and one of the interesting things, because I I run another podcast where we do with photographers. And one of the things about I've had some incredibly awarded photographers on. But the area they struggle with is is the business side of it, yeah. because unfortunately, as much as people don't want the business side of it to be a kind of a thing, it is really a part of it. Because you know, if you're going to get to gigs, you've got to get fuel, you've got to replace instruments, you've got to book things, you've got to. You have to think about it all. It, if if you want it to be sustainable and long term, it definitely yeah. And I think I like to think it's a misconception that. Uh, like creatives can't can't do business I think I think that we can but I definitely think we go about it in a very different way and I definitely struggle with it a lot of the time I have to like snap myself into that headspace but we don't do business the way that um, you're told you should (laughs) it's like you know it's not a great deal if you get a $50 bar tab to pay two hours at a pub it's not it's not a good deal (laughs) (laughs) but that does happen unfortunately it does sadly I've been very lucky touch wood to not have been offered any of those in a long time but yeah (laughs) yeah well I think it's where you put yourself it's where you place yourself as well that makes makes that difference what's the process when you decide that you've got an idea for a song Mm. How does it play out? What? How do you start? Yeah, it for me, I th- the process is really varied. There are sometimes like I try and just make sure I'm like you know sitting at a piano or a guitar, you know, most days of the week. And sometimes I've never been very good at practice, which is not great as a as a musician. <laughs> but I like to just sit and, and play something. I'm not, I'm not good with regimented practice. Is probably the right thing to say. So a lot of songs do come out of me just sitting and playing or, you know, learning a new chord just out of the blue and then being inspired by that sound. And in this similar way to when I first started songwriting, sometimes I have no idea that I feel something, you know, have a feeling about a certain situation until lyrics start to flow out. But then alternatively, sometimes like I'll see something out and about or, you know, be inspired by a gig or just yeah, hear someone say something and I'll write it down in my notes and then come back to it later and and sort of formulate something from there. 
I write poems as well. So some some poems have become songs after. Some poems are reflections on a song I've written. It's yes. all, yeah, it, it really just depends. I think the, the thing I do the least, but I've noticed a couple of times over the last couple of years is like, is write a song without any instrument. When I've been driving, if I'm driving for a long time, sometimes ideas come and I try and find, you know, my voice memo really quickly and set it aside so I can sing something out. And they're often the more difficult process because then I've got to find the key later and usually change some melodies. But it's very, yeah, probably the most different, but very fun. (laughs) It's because interesting because everyone has their own kind of process. Some people, you know, write the melody first. Yeah. And then create lyrics to fit fit the melody. Yeah. So you like to kind of create lyrics. Yeah. I think... The most common thing for me is it just it happens at the same time. Like I just I play a chord and then a melody comes to my head and the lyric comes to my head and it just sort of flows. But I'm very I, – I love lyric writing and I think lyrics can really make or break a song for me. So I definitely spend a lot of time with it. So it does often come as one of the first elements. So how much of your – I suppose things that have happened in your life has has that been an influence in your songwriting? Is that kind of like you you said Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift is kind of yeah. an expert at molding her life into into songs. But have yeah, you... yeah, I definitely, I definitely write about my own experiences. Def- probably not as explicitly as Taylor Swift does, unless she has an art for it. But I, I write a lot about like self reflection, and I, I sort of, I feel like I notice a lot of things like I'm I can be quite quiet and observant and I write about a lot of situations that I see pan out or you know emotions that I feel and then then sit and analyze and overthink for hours and then <laughs> I have to write a song about it yeah yeah I I definitely there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to what I write I do love the idea of writing fiction as well and there's definitely elements of that in there too but I feel like that's something I'm going to explore later yeah, in my kind of, writing creative journey. Because, I mean, obviously in, in music there's lots of things where there can be storytelling mm. and, you know, there's some incredible storyteller musicians mm. and it's kind of sometimes, like I said, it's great because they can take people down a particular path. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, as a, as a musician you do have this power. Like when you've got the audience mm. – you kind of for for a bit there. You've got them in your control. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that the buzz when you go on stage and you're performing live? I think you just did one in Toowoomba. Yes, yeah, we did Toowoomba on Friday. Oh, night. you did, and yeah. you did the Wynnum Wynnum Fringe Festival, Festival too. as well. Cool, yeah, yeah, that was good fun. So how was that? Like, what was the energy like? Because it's kind of coming out of COVID. Was it? Yeah, it was. Um, it was really fun. So in Toowoomba is we we absolutely love playing at Bar Wonder. It's this beautiful bar in in Toowoomba and it, it has such a community around it like people yep. they just see a poster go up and they're just excited to see live music so yep. it was like a a very relaxed like they still have like seating and things like that because it's that style but people were very engaged which was really lovely yep and you can see people walking past and 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 stopping and listening so it's a really beautiful atmosphere and then Wynnum Fringe was it was so crazy like a lot of people, I think, were walking along the festival and stopped and listened, which was so wonderful. And it doesn't always happen. You know, yep. you're, not, you're not always going to be the style of music or, or what people want to hear at that moment. But we were so lucky to have a crowd of people who got on board and were really engaging. And, yeah, it feels really lovely. It's 
it's so nice to connect with people and be, to be able to share something that is so personal on a on a larger scale and have people appreciate it. It's yeah, very unique feeling. Yeah. yeah. So how much of it is that kind of being there and seeing the audience and getting their reaction? How much is that that keeps you motivated to do what you do? It definitely has an impact. I um, I don't know how much. I mean, when there there have been times, you know, in the past where I've been playing to a room who, or even you know, playing out, you know, out in the open space where where people don't really care so much, and I still enjoy it, but I, it's a different kind of enjoyment. I sort of go into my shell and and think about different things and. Yeah, almost like, you know, listen to the music in a different light, whereas I feel like when, when the audience is engaged, you sort of, I don't know, you can be have a bit more, f- have probably have a bit more fun with it instead of being more reflective. Yes, because yeah. the other thing is because you don't really do covers, do you? Not often, no. 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 So it's, it's mainly your own stuff. So it's interesting that when people are walking past and stopping, quite often that's going to be the very, very first time they've ever heard that music. Absolutely, yeah. When I saw you first in 2017 that was what it was I went what is this sound this is really cool oh that's thank you that's so nice I'm so glad like it's yeah I think it's it's such it's definitely a really difficult thing to do and I'm, I'm so grateful that anyone yeah and stops and listens stop them and they can appreciate that you've actually done this and put it together and yeah and honed it to a point where you can then bring it to people and I think that's like I said it's one of those parts of being a creative that you know there's no good creating something and then committing it to a tape somewhere and yeah. it never gets played. Yeah. It's course. like it's 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 the same argument with photography that, you know, there's a thing about some people say a, a photograph's not really a photograph until it's printed. Yeah. Because with printed is the ultimate analogue medium because mm-hmm. if I hand you a USB with pictures on it, you go, yep, that's really cool, but you have to go and then put that somewhere and open the images and have a look. Yeah. If I hand you a photograph, you don't need anything. Yeah, you can consume it straight away. It's, 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 it's tactile and I think that's what one of the things I think is personally miss from growing up is the albums and having that tactile. And it was some of the stuff like there was the bonus stuff that you got with the album as well. They would put little special bits and pieces in there yeah. and, and that was kind of told you a little bit about the artist. Yes. So, I mean... How do you kind of find that you're connecting with your audience like outside of the music? Social media is definitely a big part of it these days. And so there's, yeah, a lot of that definitely shows are the biggest part. Like I always love to try and, you know, chat to people after and and, and sort of get that actual, you know, FaceTime. And get some feedback. And yeah, absolutely. What, what parts they love about the show. and Absolutely. But yeah. I think, yeah, definitely outside of the music playing and making itself it's got to be things like social media and I guess like when people like do buy a cd or buy merchandise you know being able to like communicate with them that way as well yeah it's really cool yeah. yeah I think when you released your last um ep mm. it was lovely because I bought a copy you did yes <laughs> thank you <laughs> and you know it was lovely that you had a little note in there that you you know I mean yeah. very very personalized and I think that's 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 kind of a something that independent artists can do they can really get that personal connection of somebody absolutely and and kind of I suppose you know make that connection and which you don't get with a with the bigger artists you don't no and I think it's it's definitely something that's becoming so big like just within society you know with small businesses even and, and yeah 
creatives and whoever you follow, being able to have that sort of more personalized, like that personal connection is, is so awesome. And I think in the age of social media, we really want to be banking not on not only the product, but the person as well. And you want to, you know, I feel like people are becoming more and more conscious about where they're spending their money and where, and where it goes. And I think, yeah, it definitely has more of an impact than it ever has before. One of the things I suppose about that personal connection Mm. is that COVID, the pandemic has been such a reinforcement that people miss that, you know, that personal one-on-one time. It's great having all the Zoom and everything else, but you know what I mean? It's like, people suddenly realise you do need that. And as humans, we just always need that another person to talk to, a, r- a real person. Yeah, absolutely. Not someone, not someone on the other side of the screen. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's been a, I think it's been a really nice reminder that we can, because we can disconnect ourselves through, the, you know, the technology we have today as well. It was, you know, as much as the the pandemic's been awful in, in a yes. number of ways it has been a sort of silver lining of people reconnecting with with that element of being a human yes and i think the the, the trick now with social media is trying to get the healthy balance because yes. it can be a very addictive behavior mm-hmm. and it can be also kind of very destructive as well for people so you've got yeah. you do it's kind of it it's a double-edged sword absolutely <laughs> yeah like everything really like it it's it, i mean definitely this more than other things but it it all comes down to how you use it and yeah you definitely you don't want to be getting addicted to anything definitely not social media and definitely not you know if you're following things that make you feel negatively about yourself or about the world or or whatever it is yeah um yeah cool so on that ep you put out there's a number of tracks on there yes right tell me about some of those other tracks on there yeah Oh, where do I start? <laughs> um, well, it isn't real is one we spoke about. We spoke yes. about earlier, and that song and "Lost and Found," which was the title track, was sort of where we started with recording the EP. We had started recording the songs ourselves, and then we started collaborating with Jared Adlam, who is a studio on the Gold Coast, um, who also went through the same uni degree. And he is a producer and engineer by trade, and so when we when we got stuck, we we wanted someone to, you know, basically take us out of our overthinking spirals yes. that Trevor and I often found ourselves in. And so, yeah, they were the first two songs we recorded with him and that was super fun. It was just the three of us basically for the whole recording process. I would play, you know, keys and a bit of the guitar and Trevor would play the guitar and the drums is what he normally plays, but he played a lot of the guitar as well. And then Jared played bass and guitar and we'd all sort of come together for backing vocals, which was such a cool experience to just have a close-knit um, crew. Yes. Um, and then basically throughout a, a year or so, I would come back to the studio for a couple of days at a time with with new demos. So I think Fool was next. And that was such a quick one to record because at home I'd basically – gotten everything down and then it was just about re-recording you know the drums in particular yes, in yeah. high fidelity because I couldn't really set up a drum kit in the apartment I was living in at the time. No, people don't kind of don't always appreciate the yeah, music as much as you do. They don't love it they don't <laughs> love it. Uh, so Pretty was another song that we recorded and that's sort of like a bit of a gypsy jazz yes, inspired it's, it's a lovely piece. vibe to that song. Thank you yeah. yeah it was um it was really fun to record and that one was the one that we actually got 
the rest of the band in for because we wanted to capture that live slowdown that we have at the end and the, the, the tempo ramp. And yeah, that was a beautiful experience in itself, having everyone in and then running now, running. which is probably the most different um, out of everything. I think I wrote maybe a month before we were like wrapping up the EP and it was just it just came like the song came out so quickly and we just happened to be in the studio and it just, um, it, it was another one where it just, it, the song was done in like a day and a half, two days maybe. Yep. Um, and and, and just, sometimes things just fall together like that. They just happen. Absolutely. And, and it's so different to the sort of song that I normally write and different to what I write now. So I'm kind of so grateful we're able to capture that moment in time. Because otherwise it would just be a song in the song graveyard. And, yes, and, 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 there's, and there's lots of those, unfortunately. There you know. are, yeah. Yes. My voice memos are filled with them. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting. I have this process like when I'm listening, if I buy an album or an EP or something, how I measure it is how many tracks I skip. Mm, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the good one is you just play it from start to finish yeah. and you don't skip anything because they're all yeah. good. Yeah. So, so that... That EP is very much like that. We can just sit there and listen to all the tracks and you just, yeah, yeah it's just great to listen to. Thank you. That's yeah. so nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It's kind of like I think it's it's when you get that mix right and I think, I think you're right as an artist because you're evolving all the time and you you don't know where your, your artistry is going to take you. Like, you know, but, but it is a journey. Absolutely. And these are just parts of the journey that you kind of had to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. And, and look, some people creative when they look back at their older stuff they get really cringe and they <laughs> yeah I, I I totally get that from one point of view I guess but I'm such a nostalgic person I think I don't know it's like the rose tinted glasses go on and it's like oh yeah <laughs> look well, at what th- we were doing <laughs> and, and I think that that's a really healthy attitude to have towards everything that you do is that realizing that it it's still got worth absolutely and it it had to be creative mm-hmm. to to get you to the next step. So everything's like a stepping stone. I think that's the hard thing for creatives. Like for I suppose for people on the outside looking in to a creative, it's 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 sometimes difficult to understand the process and yeah. and do that. So and especially because even though it is like you know taking steps, it's not always like consistent blocks that you're moving up in or moving, you know, forward in rather. Yeah, you could be going side. Whoop, now I'm yeah. I'm trying to wreck the studio now. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like you've got to go sideways a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before you can go forward again. So, yeah. So just recently you've released something else. Yes. Which is yes. fairly new. Yes. Um so the the most recent release is called Golden Chains. Yes. Yeah. And but there's more to that song than meets the eye. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that song probably says a lot about you as a person. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a very special one to me. I, I wrote it back when we were originally putting the EP together and I, I initially thought it was going to be a part of that first collection of, of music and then COVID hit when we were about to release it and I decided that people probably didn't want to talk about climate change right now because the, the topic of the song is... is but it's basically surrounded by my frustration in the lack of climate action, particularly yes. in this country, but around the world. And at the time of writing it, I was feeling really defeated and, and really angry and upset at the situation. But since then, I've had a lot of time to, to learn a lot of things and, and try and look forward to the future because even though things look dire 
and there are a lot of sidesteps happening within within the the climate um, argument and and um, action. There is still a lot that we can do, and that can be really exciting as well as scary. <laughs> yeah, look, it is, and I think I think the fact that you can uh, craft a song around it it helps. I'll probably make people think about it, and yeah. I think I, I suppose look the. It's a it is a hard nut to crack. Yes, because there's so many moving parts, and that's yeah. that's the thing. It's very complex, and there's so many different people. And I think, but but there is a simple message. I think that every one of us can actually have an impact. Yes. With what our actions are, even even simple change to something you do can actually have a big impact. Absolutely, and that sort of with the release campaign was the main message of of the the golden chains era if you will yes <laughs> because even though you know yes we can we can place the blame anywhere we want you know the government's not doing enough the big corporations aren't doing enough and and lose you can lose faith very easily that anything's going to change but if the masses change their perspective and and if we start buying you know more environmentally conscious items then the corporations are going to have to move to the consumer the the governments are going to have to see that that's what we care about and you know that's how they're going to be able to remain in power or you know be able to actually cater to to the people that they serve yes it's easy i know when i first wrote the song i i really felt defeated and like the the fight was over <laughs> but yeah, people have the individual has a lot more power than we give ourselves credit for. This building that we're recording in, mm. I bought it fourteen years ago. The one of the first things that really I couldn't believe is we had two four meter big industrial bins in the complex with people just dump it. And I'd look at it and it's all cardboard, mainly cardboard. I'm thinking. So I said to the body corporate, I said, "This is crazy." We should get a, like an core recycling bin mm-hmm. and all the cardboard, and then we wouldn't be filling these bins up. Yeah. So we went from we got that. I I had just went off and organised that, and the mm-hmm. body corporate said, "Yeah, you can do that. And that's fine because it's not going to cost anything because Amcor just take the cardboard away and they recycle it." Yeah. But we went from having two four metre bins, which are quite large industrial bins, which would get filled up and get emptied every week. Yeah. We have one two metre bin. Wow. Because and the cardboard gets recycled, and yeah. to me, like that was a no-brainer. That was such a simple thing, and now everybody just puts all the cardboard in the recycling bin, yeah. and they put the rubbish in the industrial bin. But even like I was frustrated. We take everything here, like all our bottles, all cans. We recycle everything. Yeah. But there's no process within a commercial complex like this to have a recycling bin. Yeah. So we, we take it home. Our recycling bin every week is bulging yeah i can imagine <laughs> i can imagine but they're things that we did and one of the other things we did i looked at so in here this are all all lit by um high efficiency led lighting mm-hmm. because the smaller amount of power we can use hey it's good financially because i buy less power yeah but i before it got popular i put three kilowatts of solar on the roof so yep. so we're basically enjoying power we generated we don't we're not really buying power we just use what we generate which is great absolutely so they're small things to me financially as a business owner to like it just made sense yes invest some money do this and then i'm going to save money absolutely and did it before it was kind of like you know the popular thing to do but people can just do these small changes 
So you can imagine, but I think that's, you're right. It's got to be, people have to, businesses have to realise that if you're doing something green, people might favour your business more over another business. So it could give you a competitive edge in the market. Absolutely. And and, and if you, the, it, there's the term greenwashing coming out a lot more now as well. And it's like, if you are just putting a label on it and saying that you're doing something and, and not doing it, the information in this world is so vast now. It, yes, you'll people get called will find out. out. Yeah, you'll get, you'll get called out real quick. So companies who try to to try to ride that wave of of saying, okay, we we're a green company, we're doing all this really cool stuff. Yeah, that someone will whistle blow and say, no, they're not. It's yeah. just marketing, and, and that's that's cutting through the whole. And that's the the challenge for people. And I know it's for mm. some people that can be kind of a bit of a deal breaker. Oh, it's just all too hard because there's too much misinformation. But I think if you really start to do your own research and really look, you can start to work out what's legit and what's not. Absolutely. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be everything in one day, you know, just a little bit at a time. It's a process. It's just because it can be overwhelming. There is a lot of information. But, you know, just, you know, read, like following people who are experts. So if, if you're on social media is the easiest place to, to consume information or getting out a book or anything like that, there's, there's lots of yeah, lots of interesting ways. Or even just talking to people in your life who yep. who might have more knowledge on it. It's yeah. It's yeah. it's it's really it's really interesting because in, in all um kind of market segments there's things happening. Uh, I've shot a few model shoots where all the fashion has been recycled fashion. Cool. So it's 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 all old clothes being made modern and new again. That's awesome. So that's really cool because some had that idea to go and say repurpose these things and give them a new life mm-hmm. and make them really cool again. Yeah, yeah. And so and I think that can happen in everything. Like everyone can – there's something someone can do to repurpose or, you know, just like I said, those small changes that you might make. If your corner shop's like 500 metres down the road, don't get in the car and drive there. Yeah, just go for a, a <laughs> Just go for a walk, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> but it's kind of like making people – get to that point to start thinking that way yeah it's it's just changing the thought process absolutely. it is it is yeah. so i think that's where you know as a as a creative and as a songwriter you do have this ability to be able to i suppose put those messages out there and you know you've created a bit of a platform yeah so and you've yeah. got people who obviously follow and i, I think it's kind of like yeah you know it's good when people use their power for good not for evil yeah <laughs> i i agree i think you know you might as well share a positive message and, and something that's going to be helpful than, yeah, something of the opposite nature. It's yeah, yeah. I'm very grateful that to have to have been able to grow a bit of a platform and hopefully keep growing it. And I think I know, as you know, me personally, I am inspired by other creatives, and I feel like I learn a lot from what other creatives have talked about and. You know, when I before I wrote Golden Chains, I was listening to a lot of Aurora's music, who is a Norwegian artist, and she has a song called The Seed, which is another song that, you know, speaks to the issue of climate change. And I think at the time I was already learning a lot about it, but that really spurred on a lot more education on my own on my own behalf. And it was it was yeah, it has a lot of power. It has, and I think we were we we were talking before we started the podcast. We we're talking mm. about how people consume information and how you get your news these days. And it's very, yeah. very different. Yes. And I think this, you know, the current generation is very much connected, mm-hmm. getting their information. 
So, you know, having it packaged up in a form that's pleasant and, yeah, you know what I mean? I think there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. And even though there are issues to, you know, having a lot of misinformation on social media, if you find if you find platforms that are sharing information with references there, so having a snapshot in, say, an Instagram photo and then seeing a link that you can go and do further research, like I think that's such a cool way to get the message across because it can be overwhelming. Even a Google search, you can find, you know, you can find so much misinformation there too. So it's nice to have, yeah. Yeah, I think what you do is you try and find, you know, there's a kind of in creatives too, there's a thing called, you know, finding your tribe. Yes. So you kind of find your tribe of people who you know that you kind of trust and, mm-hmm. and you know, the information they give you is going to be, you know, you're going to be able to kind of rely on it. Yes. And for everybody, there is their tribe out there. So it's just sometimes a matter of yeah. doing the research and finding those people that you can connect with who are similar, yes. similar values and that mm-hmm. type of stuff. And and like I said, it's not as not as overwhelming as once you start breaking it down. So it's like the process of anything. So if you build a house, houses are very complex it is things. So, but it, it all. But when you have a look at it, it's all a bunch of small steps put together to create an end product. Yes. And everything in life is pretty much like that. That you know, it can seem overwhelming. Yeah. But you just remember that you've got these. Got to do this first. Then I do this. Then I do this, and it builds on that. Yeah. Better to break it down. Break it down. I think, mm-hmm. that, and it's it's a it's a. I know. Look, people sometimes it's hard for some people because the way they visualize things is is that they just see it as a big obstacle. Yeah, and other people can just see. Okay, well, if I start here and I do this, and then I that allows me to do this mm. type of thing. So I think it's kind of like they're, they're the messages that we should be getting out to people that you know everyone can jump in there and do something. And and like I said, for everyone, it's going to be something different. Yes, it's not, and it's not like you have to do this. I have to do that. You do what not makes make do the things that make you happy. Absolutely, I think that's so important. Like we can put so much pressure on ourselves that you know oh, I'm not doing this one thing so I'm not actually, you know, trying to take care of the environment. You really have to you have to do what fits into into your world, into your schedule. At the end of the day, you have to look after yourself so you can look after anyone else or anything else. So yeah. it's definitely important. So you kind of fairly connected, I suppose, in the Brisbane music scene. So you know lots of different um, yeah. artists out there. Absolutely. How has the pandemic played out? How has it been for them and how have they dealt with it and you know that type of stuff so it's it's definitely been very hard I do feel that we've been so lucky here in Queensland in comparison to most of the world but it still definitely had a huge impact obviously financially more um, is probably the obvious thing but mentally as well like not being able to play shows or not being able to to be creative with the people that you work with or even just watching the industry even at a high level, just sort of fall apart in front of you, it it plants a lot of doubt in your mind and it can be really, really upsetting. And yes. I definitely think that's a sentiment that's been shared amongst a lot of the people that I talk to. I even, you know, when that first initial lockdown happened, I don't think I, I tried to, you know, play music. You know, my first thought was I'm, I'm at home all the time. I can't work. I can't play gigs. I, I can just sit and record, but I, I couldn't bring myself to play anything for like three weeks. I yes. just, it was like so overwhelming that, you know, everyone's talking about the music industry is dead. Basically, everyone's lost all their money that no one can, can do anything. But even in saying that, I think a lot of really beautiful creativity has come out of it. So 
even though it's been really hard and there's, there has been a lot of hardship and there's been a lot of loss, there's, there has been the opportunity for creativity in a new way. And I think at least the people that I talk to are, are grateful for that element. Yes. Um, so, yeah. so have you found too that you've, there's people that you could, I suppose, you know, had a shoulder to lean on to kind of help you and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely makes it so much easier knowing other people are going through the same thing, like having those conversations. And when, when things did open up a little bit, being able to go see, you know, see people again and have that face-to-face connection. Yep. Yeah. I think the isolation at the beginning of it and just the overarching fear had such a crazy impact. And, and, you know, I think the venues are doing it so tough right now and that's really, really hard to see. And even though it is hopefully fingers and toes crossed um, looking like, you know, from when we hit those vaccination rates, it's it's going to be so much safer and it's going to be opening a lot of things up. There's still a lot of fear about what more cancellations and if they happen, hopefully not, but more lockdowns could do for the industry. So it's, yes. yeah, it's it's a lot multiple generations now this has been an event and like you touched on there that it affects everyone everyone's in the same boat yeah you know it was terrible in um when we had the bushfires yeah absolutely terrible devastating devastating your heart went out to these people but you just went about your day in your house and yes you were kind of blessed because my house is here and like i can just do anything and yeah so as much as it was we were really felt for those people mm. that were affected this is just on a whole new scale because now it's not it's not oh my neighbor's okay and but the next person's not but then yeah it affects everyone's life had some impact yes and they had to make adjustments and i think like i mean for people who grew up who are kind of old enough to maybe grow up through the second world war mm. this is kind of like our world war it's a thing that changed the world forever i mean yes I've travelled a fair bit, so I just before the pandemic, I was in Italy. Wow. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I dodged a bullet. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I, I got home end of December 2019. Yeah. And then in January, that's when I, Italy just blew up. It was. With, with, wow. and, and I'm just thinking, man, I dodged a bullet. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> it's just, it's. <laughs> So close for comfort, like too close for comfort, it, like it wow. Is. But but the thing that it, the thing is like so, there was a whole lot of trips planned that we we're going to do for various different things, and I was just like, I think we should just postpone this until we see what happens. And then like, I think we should postpone that. I think we should, and then you're kind of like cancelling it. So it's kind of hard, but I suppose I feel blessed that I've been able to travel so much prior to that. Absolutely, but it's definitely changed, like the way you look at stuff and the way, like I said, I feel really, you know, blessed, like I said, because we just had so many things went right for us. Of course, yeah. And I think, like, I mean, people will get these opportunities again, I think, but when the opportunities do present themselves, you've got to embrace it. Absolutely. You know, don't sit back and think, oh, well, I'll do that next year. Maybe mm. maybe do it when, if you can do it this year, do it this year. Yes. Um, I think that's definitely going to be something that we see coming out of, you know, moving into this next stage of the pandemics, obviously it's not over, but I, I don't know. I f- even feel it in myself. Like I, you know, need to just go and, and, and do the thing. Don't talk about doing the thing. Yes. Like I yes. think I've always wanted to like live overseas for a couple of months. Like 
you know, now like hardcore saving towards like, let's do that. Let's make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So I think it has changed. Like this generation is going to be look back on this time and think about, yeah, all the things that change in the world. I think what we've got to try and do is we take away, I mean, every time there's something that happens, yes, there's a lot of negatives, but there's also a lot of positives you can generate out of it as well. Of course. Because for some people it's generated, they've been able to pivot what they've been doing. Yeah. And the thing about it is interesting because look at the music industry. It's pivoted, pivoted, pivoted. So the music industry was built around vinyl. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, the golden age of, of kind of music on vinyl, then, you know, cassettes came in and then cassettes started presenting the very first time that people could really pirate music for the first time. Yes. Right, that was yeah. that was the start of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then obviously um, as then we moved into more digital stuff like CDs and stuff and then people could, oh, I can burn this CD and I can make multiple copies of this CD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've seen these things pivot, pivot, pivot to the point where we are now where music's, you know, consumed completely differently that we're going to continue to see stuff, but these things aren't bad. They're just, everything has to evolve. Absolutely. As a person you involved, you know, like yeah. even your songwriting, mm-hmm. from those very first, you know, songs that you wrote when you were very, very young yeah. till today, now you've evolved. Absolutely. You've got life experiences in there now that help you craft them differently. Yeah. Be able to put more of a, I suppose, um, more of a narrative in there as well. So, yeah. So, What's the next things for you? Where where where's Hazel May going? Where what direction would you like to go? I mean, you you yeah. had the you had the kind of magic to wave the wand and go, hey, I'm going to do this. What where would you go? Yeah, um, I think like the biggest thing for me is to just create a sustainable career out of it and and make a living from it. And I, you know, for me that looks like being able to make records and and tour. I'd love to to like set up base like somewhere in Europe or, or in the UK and like on that side of the world because I think the music that I'm making really translates over there really well. And that, that's interesting because you because you are, you know, on the digital platform. So yeah. do you have where, – where is your music listened to? Do you know – yeah, have you looked at the – I have. Yeah, I do. I do look at it. Um, it sort of – it changes. So Australia is always the first because I – obviously play a lot of shows here and so there's that extra connection. So you've got the, but, lo- the local traffic. Yeah, yep. but when when I put out Golden Chains, like the Netherlands was the second country and like the UK is always up there and parts of North America. Yep. Um, but it's always sort of switching. There was, um, you know, some cities, uh, some places in Brazil. Um, yeah, it's, it's evolving it's, at the moment. There's lots, it's sort of, it's still... Only like under the surface, there's not a huge amount of engagement from any other particular place, but it's changing all the time, which is really interesting for me to watch. Yes, yeah. have you have you sat down and thought about the fact that someone someone in Brazil's actually right as we speak playing your music? Can, yeah, can, can you get that in your head? <laughs> it's it's such a, a crazy thing when you uh, they have an app for Spotify. Um, for artists that you can you can go and see all the statistics and, yes. and where you you know when a release is coming out you can pitch it to be on playlists and things. Yes. And every time I go on there and like it says like one person is listening or the, you know this amount of people are listening and it's like still bizarre to me. I'm like oh my goodness like people are listening you know while I'm just you know sitting at home on the couch just curious about what's happening. Yeah, it's it's still I don't know if that'll ever stop being 
exciting to me. <laughs> I think it is a buzz like when other people take an interest in what you do mm. and that interest can be just purely listening to your music mm. because they've stopped. I mean, like everyone, it's hard to get people and, and I think this is one of the double-edged swords of social media. It's hard to get attention of people because there's so yes, much. There's so much information. So much stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. You know, people talk about the, the YouTube rabbit hole. They start mm-hmm. watching kittens on YouTube and then all of a sudden... <laughs> it's it's such a thing. And the fact that it just loads up the next video on your behalf, like you, you get lost for hours. <laughs> yeah, trying to get that balance of, of things right where we kind of, yeah, use it, use it, like I said, to help grow and not kind of get too burdened with it. But I think it is really cool, the fact that you can see those metrics in the back end that where people are actually listening. Absolutely. It always yeah. blows because similar with the podcast we do because I get to see where everyone's listening and like and sometimes like these little countries are where's that? I've got to go and have a look. Yeah. But it's really cool to think that someone's sitting there and you're getting sometimes getting comments back from people. Yeah. But it's it, it is kind of and that could never been done before. No. Before this technology existed. There's no way you could get put something out there into the world and have it consumed by so many people absolutely yeah yeah so have you got what's in the pipeline is there something new coming out yeah we've we've been back in the studio this last couple of months so we're working towards another ep which is very exciting yep um we're well on the way with two of the songs and should be releasing the first of them in february which will be really really nice do you normally set yourself a, a timeline I set myself a loose timeline because, like with all creative things, it always gets pushed backwards. Yes. Um, so yeah, definitely life gets in the way. Sometimes. Life gets in the way, or you know, you know, something something new pops up. Like, you know, Golden Chains was originally meant to be out in June, and then I wrote another song I was very excited about, and that came out first. And so yep. <laughs> there's always I try and leave room for yeah for that sort of thing to happen because I I'm. I've never been great at making decisions based on logic. I'm all about how does it feel right? Does it feel yes. good? So I try to leave that wiggle room. But yeah, there's definitely, I would love to have the EP out by the end of next year. Um, if not the the beginning of the, the following year. But yeah, there's the problem for me right now is I've written so many songs and I don't know which ones to release. are going yeah, to go the best together. And I'm still trying to. Um, I like to demo everything at, at home first as much as I can before taking it into a studio context so we can just basically add add instead of go from scratch. So yeah. I'm, I'm in that process of going back well, it's and actually, forth. It's actually it's a good thing to have a good volume of work that you actually got a pot there to, to choose from. Absolutely. And I think I feel really excited because this is the first time I've sort of had that experience as as a songwriter I'm I'm I fall into the trap of censoring myself and so I have a lot of unfinished songs that I I sort of stopped the creativity before I probably should and it's something I've been working on the last year in particular to just sort of finish things and and sort of switch off the critical side of my brain until until it's you know, its first iteration and then go from there instead of cutting myself off before I've even written a chorus. <laughs> yeah. So it feels really good to have, yeah, I like I could technically do an album right now, but I don't think it's an album cohesively and I yes. want to give and, and, that the space that it needs. And, and, and like I talked about before saying that, that the acid test mm. is you can put it on, you can apply it from start to finish and you yes. enjoy every bit of it. Yes. And that's what you're kind of striving for. Do you want the whole thing to flow together? Yeah. That's not just kind of a hodgepodge 
oh, I've got this song, quickly just throw that in there to make the numbers up. Absolutely. That's, that's not kind of the, the, the vein of, to do things, is it? Of course, yeah. And it's it's really interesting, you know, artists put so much time into what songs go into a release and the order that they're in. Adele is just, you know, I think it was yesterday or today, they're basically there's been this big statement that's come out from Spotify. They've stopped, they've gotten rid of the shuffle option on albums because Adele basically spoke off about it and asked them if, you know, because part of the art is not just the songs themselves, but the track listing and the way they flow into each yes. other. And yeah, it, you you do put a lot of thought into it and it, it has, I think, more of an impact than most people think about which songs and where they are and, and you know, at what time you put them into a release because there could be songs that I've written previously that are not to be released for five years, but yep. if it makes sense then, it makes sense. It does and look, and that's, sometimes that's what happens, that people actually have, you're ahead of your time, you create something that's not ready yet. Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> not, course. And then, yeah. and then then you can drop in, I think. You know, it's amazing too, like, you know, how many artists that have passed away, unfortunately, but mm. all of a sudden they've, someone's found some tracks that they've mastered that had never been re- released and yeah. they can drop them out there and they become kind of relevant straight away. And I think yeah. that's really cool that we see that type of stuff happening. So Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So, Hazel, just talk me through Golden Chain. So we just kind of, you know, we talked about it a little bit, you know, be- previously, but this, mm. just give us a little bit of a, a bit more of a, recap we might then have a bit of a listen to it so yeah um so the song is about my frustration around the lack of climate action in the world and it's a bit more intense uh and theatrical than some of my other pieces I when we went into the studio I, I usually go in with reference songs but for this one I didn't have much of that I just had in my head that I wanted it to be like more cinematic and almost like a James Bond theme. Yes. And so I think that really, you can really feel that in the, in the moody ambience that's, that's in the song. All right. Well, it's the best way to learn a bit more. Let's just have a listen to it. Sounds good. It's a flood of information. We're reading all the signs The stillness turns to flow away Fire fills our eyes But all they do is bury Our future in their hands Cause all they want is growing The money they can spend Oh disaster We're running out of time Still haven't learned to master A caring humankind But there is still some years left As brief as they may be This paradise is spending Still has a
golden chains that was really really good thank so, you so <laughs> so what what other song kind of holds a bit dear to your heart what other music have you got yeah i think still to this day one of my favorite songs that i've put out was the lead single off my ep fool yes it was kind of like a, a breakthrough song for me both create like professionally and, and personally because i had gone through most of my life um, basically in denial that I had any battle with mental health. And I went to a, a music conference that we have here in Brisbane called Big Sound and they had this amazing talk about your inner critic and anxiety and how that yes. can really have an impact on creativity. And I went in because my friend wanted to go and I was like, cool, this could be interesting. And I left almost in tears because I felt like this person who was who was talking about it all had just described my daily psyche and it, it wasn't just to do with creativity. I, you know, I'm quite clumsy. Um, so I'd have this inner voice telling me, oh, you know, don't trip over. You're going to make a fool of yourself. You're going to, and it was all this negative dialogue yes. all the time. And one of the techniques that they talked about, you know, during the conference was basically using songwriting and, and taking back the narrative and, and instead of, listening to that voice sort of talking back. And so I wrote this song from the perspective of my inner critic. Yes. Um, I even gave her a name. Her name's <laughs> Vanessa. Um, <laughs> and it it really has helped me in a lot of ways move past not all of the insecurity and not all of the anxiety, but sort of made a pathway for me to move forward um, creatively and personally in a lot of ways. And yeah, it's very special and it's very sassy. Yes. Um, 
and this and is fun. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, this is a very common occurrence for creatives. Mm. You know, there's there's the imposter syndrome. Yes, there's hugely. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, there's self sabotage. Yeah, you know, all these things come into play, and it, it's mm. it's kind of like because sometimes you don't feel good. You know, not good enough, not worthy. Yeah, um, someone's going to find out that I'm. Yeah, I'm not 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 as good as they think I am, and I absolutely. I just I think I was shocked at myself at how much self sabotage I had in my everyday life, and it is so normal. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned over you know the last I think I wrote that in in 2018, so the last two three years, was that you know especially when it comes to creativity, no one can create what you can. It. it Nothing is objectively good or bad. It, it's just you. Yep. And there are over 7 billion people in this world. So there is going to be an, someone who, who connects with it and, and feels the same way and, and you don't have to fit into a box that, you know, whatever pristine image of of your art that you, you imagine, it's probably not what it is. Just You need to just let it be what comes out authentically. That's it. And I think the thing about it is uh, understanding it and then being able to talk about like that is really, really healthy. Yeah. Because that yeah. helps you then, um, like you said, you're still dealing with these things. But Absolutely. <laughs> it actually, But it actually makes it start to normalise that you can actually understand. And I think one of the things about mental health in Australia particularly, it's, it is starting to become much better understood. Yes. That previously it was very misunderstood. Mm. Um, people go, you know, get over it, move on, you know. Yeah. And having like, you know, many of my family members struggle with mental health mm-hmm. I you, when you when you see it and I've been so blessed and fortunate that I've been able to kind of dodge that mm. and I sometimes feel it's sometimes you feel the there's a there's a word for it you know survivor guilt yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely you know, that yeah. I've missed it somehow but my family members have really taken a heavy toll on them that they've had to deal with it yeah so well let's let's listen to fool and yeah Sounds fantastic <laughs>
no claws I bet you want more I bet you want more It's dangerous It's dangerous Oh, it's dangerous Oh, no You're such a fool You're such a Fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing them, Hazel. That really good to get a bit of an insight. Sometimes like you listen to songs and you don't always have that kind of insight into what the artist was thinking when they were actually creating it. So yeah. it's fantastic. Oh, I'm glad I could share. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Look, been delightful having you in the studio and watching you kind of blossom as an artist. Thank but you. There's one really important question I have to ask you, right? Yeah. How do you spread your Vegemite? It's going to be a controversial one. Oh. I don't like Vegemite. <laughs> okay, that's, that, that's a new one. So yeah, so if I have when I have had it in the past, very a very thin a whisk? layer. It's yeah, just the kind just of a, that. yeah, very light layer out of uh, politeness. If I've been offered Vegemite, because <laughs> it's really it's really interesting and like for people outside of Australia, listen to this. You know, Vegemite, but every Australian knows what Vegemite is. Yes, yes. So people have this love hate relationship with Vegemite. Yeah, but it's so uniquely Australian. It is, and that's why I include it in the podcast because yeah. it's just something. So so it's just that very and. Is it on toast? If you had to have it, would it be toast uh, yeah, or bread? Yeah, toast. I reckon would be yeah. The, the thing go-to. I've had it on. Yeah, I think. I wish I liked it more. I really do, but I'm such a sweet tooth. If I'm getting toast, I'm reaching for the peanut butter and some honey and yeah. some jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Something like I mean, grew up with Vegemite because you know we used to get Vegemite soup if you oh, were sick. Wow, I've never heard of that. No. Do you know how to make it? I'll tell you, it's really easy. Yeah, tell me. Okay. So you get a piece of bread uh-huh. and you just put Vegemite, no butter. Yep. So it's just Vegemite on the bread. Then you cut it up into little cubes. Mm-hmm. Then you put it in a bowl and you pour hot water over it and you stir it and the bread all yeah. goes mush. Of course. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it's a soup. Wow. And my mother used to give it to me when you were sick because it was yeah. kind of like, oh, it's got all the good stuff in it. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I feel like, you know, I've I've grown up in Australia, but both of my parents didn't grow up in Australia, so like I've there are certain things like Australianisms that I, I didn't experience or I just, you know, learned from like my friends and yeah, yes. veggie mite soup I totally <laughs> missed the boat on. <laughs> there you go. So, so you've you've learned learned something new. So when you know you may go back and fall in love with veggie mite. Maybe. I would, you know, feel like that would be that would be full circle. I would love to enjoy it one day. <laughs> Excellent. Look, fantastic. Thank you for coming in. So where can people find out more about you and your music? Absolutely. So um, I'm 
on all the streaming platforms, um, on Bandcamp if you want to buy any merchandise and CDs. Yep. Um, and what sort of merch have you got? What merch do I have? Yeah, yeah I've us. got, I've only got a couple of t-shirts left, so yep. I'm about to do a reprint. Yep. And we've got some tote bags and some CDs, and I actually have some lyric prints um, from okay. the full release as well. Yeah. That's really cool. And look, some people, it's funny about lyrics because some people really love to have the lyrics. Yes. Because when you're listening to them, sometimes like when you read it, it's, it's different. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. And everyone speaks differently too, so you might not pick up on what someone's actually saying, especially if you're listening to someone from a different country and you, you're not as familiar with the accent. Cool. Yeah. And so you're on things like Instagram. Yes, and on Instagram, Facebook. Cool. Do you have a website? Or? I do have a website. So it's hazelmaymusic.com. Excellent. And for people who are lucky enough to live in Brisbane, yes, um, the southeast corner, they can probably just jump on your website mm-hmm. and see where, you, where you're going to be playing. Absolutely, yeah. So, so you do get out a little bit now, which is good. We do, yeah. We're, we're on tour at the moment for the Golden Chains tour. So we've got a couple of shows before the end of the year. And then, yeah, it'll, it'll all be updated again in the new year. Excellent. Well, thank you again. Really enjoyed sitting here having our chat. Thank you so and much. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to see you play again live. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Meet the Maker presented to by Photo Mission Focus and Photo Mission Exposure. Like I said, this was um, a podcast that was put together um, to talk to creators and just we share it in this space as well because we're all creatives and we just love creating whether it be photographs or music. So thanks for listening and talk to you soon. See ya.